You're listening to Yes, Maybe, No with Andrew Streeter. Let's do the Jesus stuff. And Yeti Blanc. You're in a safe space. You can call the pianist. And special guest, Jessica Smetana. Let's get you a trombone. Is this show the best? Yes, Maybe, No! Welcome back to another episode of Yes, Maybe, No. I'm Yeti Blanc. I am Andrew Streeter. And today we are graced with our latest esteemed guest, the newest member of the shipping container, Jessica Smetana. I'm definitely the third most talented person on this podcast right now. Oh, man. (laughs) Close second me? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I had to think about it for a second. I don't think that's ever been used in from third to... (laughs) But I uh, know, welcome, Jessica. We're, we're happy to have you. Really glad you joined us. So, uh, Jessica, I do want to say, I've said this on Greg Cody's show. Uh, Greg asked when uh, it was me and Juju joining, uh, having a chat with him. And he was asking us about show fandom and asked us what we felt about you and Chris joining the show. And I was like, it's just really cool because I feel like they've been on the show for five years already. And um, well, thank you. And some of that goes to the guys being willing to let you in. They, but but most of it is that your personality is is amiable, but you fit a similar philosophy as what Dan tries to produce on the show. And like he and Mike are really good at putting together a really good team. And uh and and you're part of that. And it's it's cool. So we I've really enjoyed having you on. Andrew has had some terrible things to say. Um What? <laughs> this is patently false. Andrew, that's not nice. It is patently incorrect. I kid, I kid. Very, very. But uh, so welcome out. And and so a few weeks ago, um, I don't remember. If it, I think it was just like a local hour, not a mystery crate. Um, you guys got to talking about musicals and debating whether or not they were good or um overrated or something along those lines. It's a mild argument argument about musicals, and I was like, that would be fun to talk to Jessica about. Get into mu- do a deeper dive into musicals. So here we are. I'm finding this trend. I'm picking topics that I actually don't know. T- about like I, I've got enough of a knowledge of some things, but uh, but like we had Lorenzo Rodriguez on to talk about video game music. I didn't have a gaming system in my house until I was like eighteen, so I didn't. I only That's grew also up playing... very specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Andrew and Lorenzo know a lot about it, which is good though. It, I think I think it's good to bring that balance. I imagine that you know more than I do, and I know Andrew does when it comes to musicals. But um, so this, this we'll see. Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. So um. <laughs> I'll start with you, Jessica. Were you ever in, like, have you ever performed in a musical, like in high school or community theater or even bigger? Uh, well, my my worst childhood memory is musical related, actually. Um, this is one that I don't like to talk about very much. But when I was in eighth grade, every year the eighth graders at my school put on an eighth grade play. And my eighth grade year, it was Seussical the Musical. And basically it was like a Dr. Seuss like compilation musical and it included like Horton Hears a Who and a bunch of other Dr. Seuss uh, story storylines, I guess, and characters. And so, you know, the cat in the hat was the main character and Horton was a main character. And um, I was really hoping that I would get cast as one of the main characters. In our audition in seventh grade, we were assigned um, different musicals to perform in front of the rest of the class. And I did a solo routine to Jesus Christ Superstar as Judas, which, by the way, like Whoa. not a female part. Like I, I had to like <laughs> sing my heart out. You, this is you're in seventh grade when you did this. Seventh grade, yeah, and I had to. That's a deep cut for a seventh grader. Yeah, well, it was a Catholic school, so you know, Jesus Christ Superstar was like <laughs> the shit. But anyways, right. um Was it heaven on was it heaven on their minds? Did you do the, What was that? Did, which was, It was which, not. Which... Oh, that would have been so good. It was the main it was the main <laughs> track like Jesus Christ Superstar. Who are you? What do they say you are? Yeah, I I was in that show. So anyways, I pl- I that was my audition. I sang Judas's part um and uh, yeah, so I thought, you know, I had a pretty good chance at a, a leading role in Seussical the Musical the following year. And then they cast us and I was cast as the Grinch and the Grinch has one line <laughs> and it is a speaking line in a song. And it is also the Grinch, like me, 13 year old girl. The Grinch. No, thir- <laughs> how old are you in eighth grade? Like twelve? I yeah, mean, I 13, was like thirteen. 
really offended because also I thought the Grinch was a boy and that was just a mean <laughs> thing to do to a little girl. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of my worst childhood memories. So thank you for that. Right out of the gate. You got it. Anytime we're, we're here to eat grief. Um, Wind that back a little bit. Was Susical the musical? Was it original compositions outside of the the movies and, and the cartoons, or was it songs like from Horton Hears a Who, like, the world must be sitting on an elephant's nose? I think it was the latter. But to be honest, I have not revisited it in my adulthood to check <laughs> because it is a it painful, painful memory. Can't imagine why. <laughs> they also wanted me to wear a Grinch costume, like a full green Grinch suit. And I was like, no, just <laughs> no, I'm not wearing that. Like, I'm not going to be the Grinch. This is rude and insulting and so i just wore a green shirt oh so you were you, you played the grinch but you just wore a t-shirt yeah i wore like a green shirt and and like all the other <laughs> people in my grade you know well and then this was the other thing all the other kids parents you know were all like super involved and made them costumes and my parents were both accountants like they're not making me a costume for the grinch <laughs> one line come on like they don't have time for that so i was just like i'm i a i hate this part b i'm insulted c i'm a better singer than all these losers <laughs> And D, I'm not wearing a Grinch costume. I am over this. I hate this. I want to go to high school. <laughs> so as you progressed into high school, did you continue to do things in the theater? Or did that ruin it for forever? I mean, that was it for me. I, I think in high school... I I mean in, in high school I went to a high school where the kids who did like performing arts were like considered nerdy. I mean, I guess that's every high school, right? Yeah. So I was I was trying to kind of be like a cool kid, I guess. And and like, you know, my sister was very much into the theater crowd. And so like we were kind of like opposites. And like I was into sports and she was into music. So, you know, in high school we kind of like diverged in our path. So yeah, I didn't really stick with the theater thing. I always kind of wanted to and thought about it, but I think I think I was like really like mentally scarred from that um, eighth grade experience. Andrew, what about you? What's your musical history? Well, growing up or musical theater history, I was going to say it all began with no. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I was raised as one of five, the youngest of five kids to a single mother for quite a long time until she ended up getting married when I was like nine. But for like seven or eight years there, first part of my life that I actually remember, it was just us and her. And uh, when you're 28 and you have five children and you're a single mom, you uh, got a lot of stuff going on. So she would self-soothe with <laughs> the Les Mis soundtrack. Oh, so good. And with... Um, just a whole ver she, I just remember that some of the first CDs that I ever saw, like actual compact discs, were musical soundtracks and stuff like that, like Les Mis and Phantom and Joseph Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. You could tell if she was having a particularly bad mental health day, if she's like up in her room and blasting close every door to me. Um, <laughs> that happened <laughs> quite a bit. <laughs> I love my mom. She, but that's how, yeah, but it, like guys and dolls and stuff. And then we would rent and uh, West Side Story and like all of these. And we would rent the movies from the local library because we didn't actually like, you know, pay any money because we were poor. Um, and we would watch musicals. And I thought for a while that since I was watching these as a young kid and hearing this stuff as a young kid, that that was just like what movies were, you know? Okay. Well, <laughs> this is a movie and it's going to have some. You know, singing and dancing and all sorts of stuff like that. And um, really growing up on that stuff, uh, it feels, you know, normal. And it is normal. I think we should start at a baseline here. I think all three of us, regardless of what you say your experience level with musicals are, Greg, I think we can all say this is a safe space for people that enjoy musicals, right? Yes, it is. I mean, yes. Like, <laughs> musicals are wildly popular, and to dismiss them as just being, like, blanketly bad or stupid is just so such a stupid, ignorant take by Ryan Cortez. <laughs> we, need to, we need to make sure that that's attributed to the right person. Like, this was Ryan Cortez, <laughs> minister of propaganda now, Andrew I have, a, I have a question something I've been curious about for almost 20 years I Jessica I met Andrew through his sister I wanted to, to date her and it didn't work out uh, but I'm <laughs> lucky but, you. You know, Andrew was her you know the next in line the youngest in the family and um I can't believe it's been, it's almost, it's 19 years now. Um, the, uh, she recalled a memory and she said it happened. If I remember right. And why I remember these conversations, I don't know. I've got a dumb brain, but she, she said something about, yeah, all the time our family would sit around the piano and, and, and mom would, or somebody would play the piano and just play songs from musicals. And we, all of us would sit around and harmonize together. Is that something that happened? A, 
Did it only happen once or did it actually happen all the time? I've always been curious. No, it happened all the time. Those are some of my earliest memories. My mom is a really good piano cool. player, a classically trained pianist. And she, that was another part of her. You're in a safe space. You can call it a pianist. They're good. Good. <laughs> the scientific name, Andrew. <laughs> she had this awesome, like like a hundred year old restored um, upright grand piano that she got in upstate New York when we were living there and uh, moved down with it. It was like the saddest day of our lives when she had to like sell it to like pay bills. That was like the worst day ever. Actually, we all like sat around and sobbed. Well, anyway, so <laughs> a lot of childhood trauma on this podcast. I know, I know, I know. We're we're jumping it all right. out. But the, no. maybe you should have been the Grinch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so did you did you actually perform in any musicals though, or have you ever performed in any musicals? Yeah, no, totally. So like, uh, I uh, was in my first musical I was ever in was a was a puppet show. Actually, it was a sh- musical and a puppet show. <laughs> And it was a musical my my mom wrote when we lived, when my parents got divorced, we moved to Evanston, Wyoming, of all places. Was this a roadshow at church? No, this was not a roadshow at church. This was my mom, uh, and I take more after her than anyone else, really. Um, She got, like, paid to write jingles for the radio. (laughs) There we go. Like, local radio, and and she would, as, like, a side hustle. And she was really good at that. And we would get like free, like, you know, Western wear and crap for stuff that like we, <laughs> that we didn't even need or, but she's like, Oh, it's free clothes and you're going to wear it. So like <laughs> turning into Greg Cody, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> that's a laugh cough. Yeah. That's a laugh cough. Log it, log it. Now, didn't your mom go to school with the guy who wrote the, the Kim possible theme song? She did go to high school with the guy, not who wrote the Kim Possible theme song, the inventor of Kim Possible, the um, actual oh, okay. like, the gotcha, creator gotcha. of Kim Possible in Philadelphia where she grew up. But no, so she um, she's incredibly talented and someone heard her uh, her uh, Swift Creek Western wear jingle, which would have fit in right in on the Greg Cody show um, <laughs> and was like, hey, will you help me write a musical? I, ha- I make these puppets and this lady makes these like crazy, like next level, like muppet puppets and wanted to do like a full-on like production and so she my mom not just wrote one musical she ended up writing like three or four for this lady and they toured like all of like the uh library branches with it for between like there and evanston like going and we went all the way up to uh to like teton national park like close to yellowstone so like all through like wyoming i'm like you know in the summertime going on a puppet show tour and i was an elf this traveling puppet circus i was an elf in uh in uh the shoemaker and the elves that my mom made into a musical and then she also did other ones later on as well with the, and this lady made the puppets and they were like wildly like weirdly of course it's wyoming so there's like you know uh not a lot going on and like a lot of people came to these <laughs> Like yeah, word, word got out, and they're like, "Let's go see." A That's cool show that your mom musical. did a musical out of the Elves and the Shoemaker because my mom and another guy at church did Elvis and the Shoemaker and made like this whole musical thing out of it. It was you know appropriating Elvis's appropriated music, but still. Well, I was in an Elvis <laughs> appropriation play in fourth grade, actually uh, called Elfus, which Elf- was a Christmas <laughs> play. It was a Christmas play that they put on, and I was Elfus, and it was horrible so carry on what's 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 uh more of your uh your history in the musical theater so let's get on to like actual like real shows yeah okay so i was an extra <laughs> i did we did some community theater i was in oklahoma as an extra and i was like 11 and um the next year i did the same thing for greece and i was like the youngest of like it was like the a youth production of that which is to say a uh, watered down and even more terrible than greece already is just just do you like greece <laughs> where do you fall on greece i mean i loved greece as an eighth grader there you go i think it doesn't hold up very well i think that's the right way to summarize greece is i loved it as an eighth grader i think that's a wonderful like summary of it <laughs> and then my high school did it my senior year and i was in it again i was duty because i could play guitar so i <laughs> played all my own guitar <laughs> things on stage and did that so i was in greece twice that's great um i was also you know since we grew up in north carolina my high school did like all of like the jesus plays so i was in godspell when i was in ninth grade oh godspell i was in 
I was Peter in Jesus Christ Superstar my sophomore year. I was Ruben in uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Like, and it's not even like that my my theater director was that like religious or anything. He just knew that that would sell tickets where we lived. Like, he was like the most irreligious like hellion man that I've ever known. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, this is gonna put butts in seats to do the Jesus stuff." <laughs> We're going to sell out the auditorium. And then we did. We did. Fleecing Jesus by Andrew's drama teacher. Oh, precisely. <laughs> precisely. But really, it's, um, yeah, no, like I've always had uh, an abiding appreciation for not just like the musical, like the music aspect of it itself. I mean, I love music and I'm a musician, but knowing what has to go on to put on a musical, the work that goes into performing and technical producing of a musical and then also like freaking writing one as well i mean like i saw my it took my mom like forever to write like 30 minute a 30 minute puppet musical (laughs) and she agonized over it you know so yeah i'm just gonna say you are entering yeti territory right now in your length of answer this is usually what i do jessica but andrew but then we haven't recorded in like a month so i guess we just have a lot to say Um, no you asked (laughs) You did ask for his life story. I did ask for his life story. You did. I didn't know where to stop. So I did, when I got into high school, uh, Fiddler on the Roof was my first play. That was a sophomore Mm -hmm. year. I didn't start singing until my freshman year. I had had my first girlfriend in eighth grade, and she was in the chorus. I was in the band, played trombone. I thought we'd still be together in my my next year. By the time she got to high school, you know, a year after I did, I thought we'd still be together. So I was like, I should join chorus so that we can be in the same class together. That that relationship lasted like a month and a half. Um, We didn't finish eighth grade. It was right at the end of eighth grade, and she left me for my, my friend jeff um but uh, the trombone is kind of a weird one though i don't i don't recall anyone playing the trombone when i was that age trombone was awesome because we got to be so loud there were only when I, I i only i played through my freshman year and there were only two of us in our whole marching band and our goal was to get points deducted because we were playing too loud we wanted to be able to drown out the rest of the band and we succeeded. It was awesome. It, it's totally fitting in my personality. Um, yep. That actually really checks out. It's brash. It's fun. It's, you know, kind of goofy. You, go, you know, it's, um, yeah, I played the clarinet. Um, doesn't really fit my personality at all. <laughs> yeah, that's most of my family were clarinet players because that's what my mom played. So she had one, so it just got passed down. I used my uncle's trombone. So you know, anything to not spend money. I was we were we were also really poor. I was the oldest of seven. But anyway, so I get into high school. I didn't do anything my freshman year for theater, but my sophomore year I had moved on to the advanced chorus, and I everybody in class was going to be in the play, so I, I joined. It was Fiddler on the Roof. I was a uh, was a character named Avram. Or in between that, that summer we did um, Peter Pan, but I, it was a musical version, and I don't know if this was a version that was already out there. Was it the Mary Martin Peter Pan? Huh? Was it the Mary Martin Peter Pan musical? Is it the one that? I'm, um, I don't know. Like, oh gosh, what is, what's the song from that? The Tarantula. That's all I remember. Is Tarantella. Is, is hook. Tarantella. Yes. You yeah. did the Mary Martin version of that play. Okay. Because the guy who, our musical director for that show was actually a brilliant like writer. And I wasn't sure if, you know, he, he went on to write a couple. Of, he actually wrote a musical to A Christmas Carol that we did um, after I graduated. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I could, so I just couldn't remember if that was his original or if it was one that was out there. So then, uh, junior year, we did the music man and I was ice cream. Oh, that was no. the high tenor you were um, in, in the, the, in the barbershop quartet. <laughs> How can there be any sin in sin? See, you know, whatever. I don't remember. <laughs> um, which the Andrew, we wouldn't have had rabies caroling if it wasn't for me being in the music man. That's a story for another day. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> senior year, we did once a upon sentence. a mattress. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the senior year we did once upon a mattress and I was the minstrel. So I got to walk around with my guitar and, you know, weave in and out of all the scenes, introduce the whole show. That was really fun. Um, and then, yeah, after that, we did a musical version of A Christmas Carol. And I can't, I was one of Scrooge's buddies in the past. And then I got to be the ghost of Christmas yet to come, which was pretty awesome. I had no lines. I just got to, you know, stand on a ladder and look creepy. But um, being a, a ghost would be a badass role. It was cool. It was cool because I got I, I tried to see how many kids I could scare. That was that was fun, you know, and, um, but <laughs> those ghosts are f- scary. 
Um, so yeah, so that's my history in musical theater. So Jessica, what makes musicals work or what do you find appealing? Well, like Andrew said, I think knowing a little bit what goes into the production makes them more impressive. But I also think just the the best musicals are great stories, but they also have great music that's catchy that you want to sing along to, even when you're not watching the musical and, and listening to it in uh, you know chronological order. I find that when you go and see a show, whether it's on Broadway or off Broadway or you know your local theater, if, if it's stuck in your head three days later and you're going to Spotify to listen to that song, it's a good show. And I just, I really like the ability to go sit in a seat for three hours, not look at your phone and be absorbed in other people's talented work. You know, the dancing, the singing, all of it, the music, the composers. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew, yeah. what about you? Yeah. There's so many simultaneous technical aspects to enjoy all at once. You're getting like the best of tech. You're if you're especially if you're going to like a Broadway production or even like a regional theater production where like there's actually some paid uh, acting. Uh, <laughs> you're you can see some really high quality or even, you know, let's throw community theater a bone. Those people try really hard. Um, and some of it can be pretty hit or miss, but what I, it's, it's really, especially somebody coming from like primarily audio and, and music realm, it's awesome to pay attention to like, okay, what's going on in the, in the orchestra pit. Okay. What's going on with the, the sound design? No, it's just, it's an all encompassing entertainment experience. And if it's, it's, it works even better if it's actually a good story, but like if one of the elements is failing you, there's something else that is, uh, that is distracting you from those elements, right? Cause there's so many, you're getting hit with so many different art forms at once. You brought up a good point earlier, uh, in when we were texting back and forth, uh, we're working on the outline. You mentioned something about just the emotion that the musical brings. Cause I brought up that like Adnan Vert hates musicals. Um, because he, he just what? he doesn't like the idea like like it just bothers him the idea of people spontaneously bursting in a song you know it's not spontaneous if it's during a musical though no it's exactly right if you're <laughs> right. Look, if you're looking at it through the it's scope spontaneous of a musical, if you're on the subway yeah precisely it's spontaneous you it's mentioned yeah, this is just a, a flash, flash mob, mob right but <laughs> oh, yeah. jinx you'll be a coke um anyway uh but yeah andrew you were bringing up something about suspending disbelief and then allowing and letting that allow the motion the emotion to come in and make a bun- make make a great difference in the experience something along those lines sure well like if you're watching a musical and you know what you're watching a musical going into it, it you can't allow that the aspect of someone's about to sing to annoy you because you have to suspend right. in in all of these things it's you're suspending disbelief this is the this is the medium this is what's going to happen um so like it, i don't ever really think of you know in this in the terms of like adnan says where they're spontaneously breaking out the song it's really what they're doing is highlighting a specific emotional event or pushing story along or it's a moment for character development or it's you know or it could be just uh you know hey we're dragging a little bit let's uh let's have some fun and you know all of those things are good reasons or as good reasons as any to put a song in a play or a movie. I, I agree. And so I, I like the emotional aspect of it. I like that it, it can it can help kind of lead you because sometimes, you know, some of the themes that they might be talking about might be a little hard to follow, especially if you're ju- like as a kid, especially when you're really impressionable. The music can kind of help you understand, OK, how should I be processing what's going on or kind of open the door to that direction and then allow you to feel what you're going, you know, however it's going to impact you. I like the idea and the fact that you don't you don't even have to know the language per se. Yeah, I know I don't have to tell you guys like the importance of uh, having like, you know, incidental music in non-musical movies and TV shows and other things like a score behind a thing. Right. You've all seen like um, probably like a YouTube video or like a school example where it's like, here's the scene happening like i saw one where it's like the titanic sinking like and breaking in half like without like the score behind it and it's just really just a bunch of people screaming and it being terrified yeah it's awkward <laughs> and awkward right, right, right. <laughs> but when there's like some like james horner behind it you know it's really adding into the to the effect there and yeah i mean you really you can paint you have a you have a, a like a bigger canvas and a bigger like a arsenal to be able to paint emotion with when you're talking about Adam yeah it's a more universal language and uh, and I think that's something I appreciate about it. I got to tell you when I was reading uh, Lehman's Rob in freaking high school for English class, okay, that was the most boring thing that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> 
like oh my god stop that is a great that is a great book okay but we watched okay well listen to me this is all we're getting there we're getting there we had to watch this like 19 like 30s or 40s like movie that was originally Mm. filmed in french but overdubbed in english um with no music in it and i had only ever been used to the musical version of that and that was a terrible movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah i could i could see that being a letdown and it was super awful um but yeah i would rather i you know i feel more pain for uh javert i i uh you know when he sings stars before he kills himself then when he just like puts some handcuffs on himself and jumps into the river lifelessly <laughs> you know what i mean right i know i do so how what about musicals translating to the screen um what what works and what doesn't that's a great question. Is that is that a question for me? Yeah, let's start with you because I don't know. I don't think it always works, but sometimes I feel it works really well. It really doesn't. I think the best musical movies balance good acting with good singing and stage acting and film acting are different skill sets. So speaking of Les Miserables, the Les Miserables movie famously got a ton of flack for <laughs> the lack of singing ability from Russell Crowe and other actors. but. The acting was really good. Um, So you could almost believe that Anne Hathaway was a good singer because she was acting like she was and she was acting very well in that role. Um, But yeah, I think it's like you kind of have to walk a balance. So a lot of times when these musical adaptation films come out, I'm excited, but I'm also like a little nervous whenever I see one of them because it could end up being really bad if they don't find the right balance there. I'm curious what Andrew thinks, though, as a more musical expert. (laughs) Oh geez, you know, like in terms of like musical ad- adaptations of uh, of plays. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, for film no, ad- no, 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 film, uh, film adaptations uh, of film music- adaptations stage, of of, of, stage, of stage musicals. musicals. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, it's just going to be. I mean, like all this stuff, it's a matter of preference, right? But if we're talking in the realm of people that like musicals, I generally I'm more apt to enjoy a um, a musical film that I have not seen already on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I don't have like the expectations. I think that's, a, that's definitely true. I also think if like musical movies that aren't on stage at all, like La La Land, I really liked the music from that. Yeah. That wasn't something I'd ever, you know, that doesn't exist in stage form. Um, same with like, yet, you know, A Star is Born. Like those, those, I don't know if that even really counts, but I, I kind of think it maybe a little bit. No, I count it. I count A Star is Born as a musical 110%. So, that was actually another question I was going to I was going to ask. Um, and let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and transition into this. Yeah. What about um, musical films that have not or, or that 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 did not start out on stage? Like or give me an example of one that has really worked for you and why. OK, well, I'll, I'll stick with La La Land because I, I did really like that movie. I know there was like a ton of, uh, you know, it's a kind of a uh, what's the word? I guess chuggy answer. But <laughs> I I really enjoyed it when it came out because I really loved the music and the acting and I thought the singing was great like it wasn't I didn't expect Ryan Gosling to be the best voice of our generation but he he nailed his role he did a good job and um same with Emma Stone and I don't know I think the best musical movies um they are not trying too hard to knock it out of the park with actors as vocalists except for A Star is Born which I think you could kind of make the argument like Lady Gaga was a great vocalist in that movie she wasn't an amazing actress like she was very good but you could tell that that wasn't her you know her most comfortable thing most comfortable performance um so i don't know i i guess i i liked rocket man the elton john one that just came out a couple years ago i thought the music was really good um but that was already like pre-written music yeah we're gonna talk about jukebox musicals in a second we'll talk about jukebox musicals yeah okay well then i'll I'll keep that in that category but yeah i don't know i well andrew do you consider sing street a jukebox musical I do not. You know why? Because all those songs were written specifically for that film. And to me, that's my favorite musical film. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Your, your idea of jukebox musical, you define that as like, yeah, taking songs that are already existing that are popular and adapting them into a musical. And yeah, Sing Street was, was, um, yeah, all original music as made for- largely a soulless, a soulless cash grab most of the time. Not in the case of Rocket Man. I really liked Rocket Man, actually. We can give that some credit. And I am a, I love ABBA. So, like Mamma Mia was a soulless cash grab, but <laughs> Abba's so freaking good. Right. So how are you gonna, you know, how are you gonna hate on it? But um I agree. That is so catchy. <laughs> but for back to the other question, animated 
musicals. And I know that we don't think of these classic Disney films as necessarily as musicals, but a lot of them turn into musical stage plays. Um, again, for soulless cash grab purposes, but, but <laughs> Alan Menken, dude, like all the, like these Disney, it works most, it works best for me when it's, when it's an animated film, uh, I think. So like the classic animated films. Ooh, we should talk about like Pixar and, and Disney musicals next. Yeah, go for it. Let's just, let's just roll into that right now. What, well, what, what's your favorite? I think my favorite in terms of what I will listen to the music from the most. Oh, maybe there's a couple. Okay. I really liked Moana. I thought the music was very good, catchy, kind of like fun, um, interesting. And Beauty and the Beast, mm. which I think might have been a stage play first. I'm not really sure about it that. Was but not. to me, I didn't know it as a, a stage thing ever. It, I only knew it as like the Disney movie. So. One of the Broadway plays that I've seen is is uh, Beauty and the Beast, and that and it was adapted for stage from the uh, from oh. the animated movie. That movie was nominated for Best Picture. How often does an animated film get nominated for Best Picture? I'll answer right. that question. It's Not true. often, and it's because that one is amazing. That one is a masterpiece. That's a top three, you know, uh, Disney film of all time, in my opinion. You just went under the sea, which leads me to our next, the next <laughs> musical, which I'll speak of is, is um, the, the Little Mermaid. When I, when I was a kid, The Little Mermaid and uh, Aladdin and The Lion King, those soundtracks ruled in, in my house uh, when, when it came to the songs that were constantly stuck in our heads. Beauty and the Beast, like that had some run in my house, but it just, di it didn't ring true to us like those other three did and so but i'd probably say the lion king ruled out of all of them though that was probably the the top tier but out of recent stuff it's moana um what 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 they did with that soundtrack that that stuff stays in my head all the time still and i haven't even seen it in a couple yes. of years 100 um, percent. it is it i have it like on a spotify playlist but i was gonna say beauty and the beast i don't think like all of the music from beauty and the beast is like amazing but be my guest is probably one of my favorite ensemble disney songs that's a fine it's be our guest two dollars oh my god well they say they say be my guest that's true that's true i always i can't help but hear um the simpsons take on that with us uh when burns is, is seeing see my vest and that that's a, if you if you're not familiar with that that's a good one to look up on youtube so what is your take on the greatest showman that's uh, something andrew and i've gone back and forth on a little <sighs> oh, bit it's chuggy as hell <laughs> I actually never saw it because I heard so many mixed reviews that I, I tried watching it once on an airplane and I gave up after the first song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So Andrew, Andrew, give yours and then I'll, I'll throw out mine because we know my affinity for Hugh Jackman. I just, to me, it's like, I don't know. It was very underwhelming. And I know, and this is coming from somebody who's actually like pretty like snobby about musicals, admittedly. Right. To me, it's wait, wait, have you actually seen it now? Cause a year ago you had not seen it. I have seen it now. Okay. I had, all right, I all had right. chosen not to out of principle for a while. Cause I'd seen the first the opening number. The, <laughs> and i'm like this is what this they're making musicals for dumb people that's what they're doing they're making this for so that basic people can feel like they're they could it's made for basic people attention span that's what it and i was and it confirmed watching it confirmed it like i don't hate it it just doesn't do anything for me like i guess i have more patience with like a traditional uh musical than i do Oh, look, here's some trapeze artists and crap and let's do some Cirque du Soleil or whatever the heck. The, let's, you know, whatever. Well, see, I liked I liked the visual aspect of it. I, I thought the actual like, you know, the storyline and the performance was, was pretty, pretty good. But the music really, really got to me um, because it, it just it was the music itself. Soulless cash grab. Um, that's what felt. it just felt super polished. Let's do something that's a guaranteed hit and not make any stretches. I will say the one song that did get me was um, Never Be Enough. It, and just to spoil this for you since you're not going to watch it anyway but uh um hugh jackman's character pt barnum he, he goes and sees this opera singer and i really liked the way they took they took a modernized song um original song it was very modern in its delivery but the way they built it up it felt like an aria and um like it just felt like this big grand 
you know, like, like a modern day art or a pop aria almost. And, and that, that got me, that one got me the first time through. And it also, it, it, my daughter helped make it, helped seal it for me too. Cause she looked at me, she says, dad, I love this song. It's the most beautiful song I've ever heard. And just to like hear music strike a chord with her at such a young age, you know, that, 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 you know, it pulled at my heartstrings and I was just like, you know, let's foster all that love and make you love music and blah, 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 you know. Um, but that, but that was the only song I liked. Everything else just felt like. Let's get you a trombone. The, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, every all the other songs just felt like contrived drivel is uh, maybe the best way I can put it. But the actual performance, I was fine. To me, good musicals try to fit like the time period. I didn't like this like newfangled. Let's make some EDM for the EDM children for PT Barnum, but PT Barnum <laughs> already is like problematic anyway. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, like, I. I don't think I'm going to watch this. <laughs> That's okay. It's you aren't you aren't missing much. Like I said, the, the, if you're there for the music, I'm there for Wolverine. I I, I once thought mm-hmm. Van Helsing was a good movie because it had Hugh Jackman in it, and Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. And, Jean Valjean. Right. Th- there's that too. He was good in that. Hugh but- Jackman is a song and dance man. So that was an extra disappointing aspect of it to me was that like it was not it didn't it was not up to par. It's not up to. Th- All right. So let's. Let's do a quick roundup. Um, Jessica, Andrew, then me. What's what's the your favorite um, play you've seen on stage? My favorite, I've seen it three times, is Les Miserables. Andrew, fantastic! I saw a national tour of Les Mis. It was the first like real like pro play that I ever saw. When I was in fourth grade. And it blew me away. Super awesome. Great choice. Mine. I saw Wicked in two thousand six on Broadway in third row with Eden Espinosa wow. as Alphaba and. Uh, Kristen Chenoweth was still in the cast. It was freaking awesome. It was so good. So, 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 so good. Followed by Into the Woods, a national tour. I've only been to one like Broadway style play ever. And it was on Broadway. It was 1998, but it was, it was um, Jekyll and Hyde. And we had sung some of those songs in chorus and stuff. So it was cool to get, get to see them on the stage and everything. And it, it was incredible. So, I mean, I really only have one choice, but it was a good one. Jekyll and Hyde was, was really, really good. It was a whole lot of fun. It's a good show. Now I sent my wife up to New York uh, a couple of years ago, just to give her some time away. Um, that was her mother's day present and we have a free place to stay there. So that helped. But, um, uh, she went to go see Beetlejuice and Hades Town, and she came back raving about Hades. She said Beetlejuice is good, but she was raving about Hades Town. So that was really good. So I've heard that was good too. I haven't seen that. The last thing I saw before the Broadway shutdown was actually in London. I w- was in in London with my family, and we saw Tina, and it was amazing. It was it was the last thing I saw. I used to go to a lot of of musicals pre pandemic, and you know, living in New York, you get the chance to see a lot, especially because when you live in New York, you can actually you know get the discount tickets and stuff like that so it's a lot easier to see a lot of stuff especially when it's you know off broadway too so i'm 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 gonna miss that when i move to miami but um you know tina was a good ending note to carry me through the 18 month theater shutdown drought um okay oh yeah i remember what i want we'll rewind and punch this back in what did you think of hamilton because this is what started the whole argument on the show wasn't it was it it was hamilton was it i can't remember i i think cortez was just being a little shit but um (laughs) that tracks i loved i saw hamilton um in 2016 when it was most of the original cast i i was gifted tickets which was super amazing because they were super expensive i definitely would not have gone if i had to spend that much money on a ticket but um it was awesome i loved it i still love it i i you know get the music stuck in my head all the time um i really liked it i don't know i mean i think like a lot of the backlash to hamilton has been from people who act like it is the most impressive thing that has ever happened in the history of art (laughs) and i don't know if that's fair but it was super entertaining and the cast that i saw perform it was like extremely talented and i thought the music was was really interesting and it made a it made us the subject matter interesting and like that subject matter that i frankly was not interested in prior to seeing hamilton so i will give it credit for that but um yeah it you know it was good i liked it a lot andrew what about you um hamilton's been on my radar um since it was announced because I've always been like a pretty big, um, I wouldn't say like enormous, but like I've always been aware of Lynn manuel Miranda. Um, In the Heights just came out um, as a movie, but um, that was like his first like big show that kind of hit Broadway. And I thought that was really cool being able to incorporate hip hop. Like you can tell that that dude actually listens and like knows and understands hip hop 
and those structures, but he's also in love with Sondheim. And those two things coming together makes a really magical uh, thing. And his, uh, you can tell that he, I don't know. I just, uh, this is was, Andrew. I don't like taking these newfangled sounds and working them into periods that they don't work in. No, 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 no. When you do it in a way, see, this is, not, you cannot. Don't, I'm joking. Don't it, you when you dare. Do it, when you do it right, put, there's no denying no, 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 it. And no, he no, made no. it undeniable. He don't did. you dare put the greatest showman on the same doorstep <laughs> as Hamilton in any. They're not in the same neighborhood. They're not in the same planet. They're not in the same solar system. <laughs> it's, it's, you can, I don't know. Anyway. Agreed. I agree with you, Andrew. I was just giving you crap. I think the biggest compliment I could give to Hamilton the musical is that it somehow convinced me to read the Ron Chernow biography of Alexander Hamilton that was probably 2,000 pages long. And I would have never had any interest in reading that book had the musical not been as good as it was. And I read the book and it was a very, very great well-researched, well-written uh, um, biography of Hamilton. So credit to Hamilton for making me somewhat interested in American history. Well, and that's what inspired Lynn to write the show. He thought he was just, you know, it started off with the opening song. And he actually performed that at the White House in front of the Obamas. And everyone got, there's a cool there's a cool YouTube video of that. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, yeah. And no, like, I didn't actually get to see Hamilton until it was the concert film or the, the film version of the stage play was released last summer on disney plus and Same. so like but i'd been listening to it because my wife was a big was big into it but yeah tickets always came up and you could never get them without like you know taking out a second mortgage so would not right the tickets were like a million dollars right like we'll wait till disney plus comes out and spend the 50 you know i'll get the free actually the free month on disney plus and then cancel it and i didn't have to i didn't have to like you know be crammed up against anybody i'd you know i could just <laughs> and i've got a good speaker system and it was fun <laughs> We cranked it up and it was great. Plus, plus you get subtitles and let's be real. We are, you know, people that need subtitles. I need subtitles, <laughs> especially for. And then you can sing along too. Right. You just follow the bouncing ball. Um, now, I, uh, um, my, my take on Hamilton, I was, I'll, I judged it the same way that I did Les Mis is that you can shoot holes through anything, you know, even if you love it, even some of my favorite films. I can poke holes through and just joke on them the whole time, but I still love them. And I'm, you know, so I don't think Hamilton's perfect. I don't think Les Mis is perfect, but they were inspiring. Um, I loved the usage of the, 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 the just their state, the, their rotating stage and all, all the mechanics that went into that. Uh, and the way they, they actually, the stage was another character in the show and it interacted with the lyrics. Um, I just, I just was awestruck by that. Um, but one, it got me emotional during the thing. But then I woke up the next morning rapping, like making up all these like rap songs with a lot of stuff. Like it was almost therapy because there was a lot of stuff that I've been angry about for a long time that I've been holding in. That's also a story for another time. But I woke up like just kind of like lashing out in, in in rhythmic prose and and it uh, in in a similar manner that they delivered Hamilton. Yes, I, I sh I'm sure it looked like a yammering loon, but I don't care. It was it was that powerful to me. To and Les Mis was the same thing. I woke up making parody songs the next day to to all the different songs that would not get out of my head. Just super earwormy, but but really powerful. And and that's where I, Hamilton will always have a place in my heart. I don't think it will ever be unseated um, in that regard. Okay, so rapid fire real quick. What is your favorite stage musical that has made it to film, Jessica? Jesus Christ Superstar, the original film, the 70s version. That one is crazy, and it's good. Andrew? Um, oof. The upcoming uh, uh, Chris Whittingham is a fancy lad, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> film? No, I don't know. I'm trying to come back to me. Circle back around to me. I don't have a good answer. Um, the producers' movie I recall being decent, a adequate. right? <laughs> the producers' movie was good. I'm trying to think of what I rent. Did you like Rent? I've not seen Rent. Um, and it's not like really my favorite. What about Phantom? Phantom? What about Cats? Ooh, Cats. Controversial pick. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have not seen Cats. I will not see Cats. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen movies coming out in a year. The, that yeah, could be your pick. Yeah, maybe, maybe. No, you actually, I actually liked, I liked the, the, the Les Mis film. Yeah, I did too. Like, like you can poke, yeah, you can poke holes through it, but the, the original compositions are so powerful. I think it, for me, it overcame any of the, the shortcomings in the actual singers of the show. I'm actually going to change my answer to, to the Sweeney Todd movie. 
with okay, Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp. That movie is awesome. I almost and swore Sasha there. Baron Cohen. Uh, and Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes, it is such <laughs> so good. I need, he's I, also in the Les Mis movie. He's yes, he is, you. and he's incredible in that. Yeah, I, uh, I I need to go back. I, I need to watch Sweeney Todd. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, Andrew, so do you good. have a do you have an answer now? Um, it's probably it's a it's a tie between Sweeney Todd and I mean specifically Sasha Baron Cohen. Ah, have a device. <laughs> he's just Borat as like a barber. Anyway, um, <laughs> so good. Oh, it's all really right. Good. So, what is your um favorite musical film that wasn't based on a previous stage? production sing street 2016 yep same here sing street jessica you gotta see it probably la la land yeah also 2016 right those were all in the same year weren't they i think la la land was the beginning of 17 maybe gotcha yeah when was that oscar screw up that that was the <laughs> adnan, legacy of with la adnan la on land. the call if, if you haven't heard that that's incredible he it was like he was calling a home run it was masterful he won an emmy for that actually uh but but yeah no no sing street is it reminded me, it just took me back to the beginning days of when I first started writing songs, and it reminded me of how fun being in a band could be. And if I strip away all the complexity that I put on myself now trying to write songs, it can be really easy. Because back then, songs, it was just like one or two a week. And for me, that's a lot, considering that I went 10 years without writing anything. Um, once I got married and, and I got happy and didn't have anything to complain about anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, Sing Street, it, it just captured everything and i still love it it's still my favorite i have no idea how it will translate to the stage as you know if it'll just be well this is just like watching the movie or if it'll bring a different element i don't know i just thought of another answer for your movie question chicago great film yeah i I was thinking about that i was surprised it didn't come up but i haven't seen that either oh it it won the academy award i think for best picture i think it did if i remember right yep um it's solid you gotta watch that okay so now, um, I, I'm, I referenced this to you the other day, the idea of, of uh, workshopping a, uh, a musical called Whittingham, a musical for fancy lads or something. That would be the working title. And I joked around with it to Andrew, and then I proceeded to write an entire synopsis. <laughs> so I'm going to run this by you. We're going to pitch it to um, executive producer Jessica S- Smetana. Um, of I'll, our... I'll pitch it to Gary or our skipper. Right, right. <laughs> when he gets back from fishing. And <laughs> all right, so the play assumes that the audience is already familiar with Chris and that he's a fancy lad. Um, there'll be an intro song to set the scene. Act one will be called Stoke the Fire. Um, so it's a, it's dialogue about how the sh- with the shipping container ribbing Chris about how proper he is. And, you know, the fancy lad jingle gets played over and over just like any normal day. Um, and he deserves it every time. And uh, it turns into a whole entire song joking on him. Um, things escalate too far and he storms off in anger. Act two. I call it a little argument with myself. Um, this is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde scene. Um, Chris has a song that has self-dialogue trying to justify that the world needs a fancy lad like him. He loses the argument and decides to lower his standards and start using, you know, common words, bad grammar. He goes just absolutely mad, disowning the fancy persona, and he commits to becoming, quote unquote, an American badass. Just picture Chris saying, I am now an American badass. (laughs) um, Uh he would have to drink more than one Bud Light to, to <laughs> do that, but continue. Um, he ends the song and he goes back to find the gang at Miller's Ale House. Act three, friends? Chris joins the gang in time to catch Mike trying to get a Zinger Mountain Milk to go back to his room with him. <laughs> oh, Christ. He shocks the group, <laughs> he shocks the group by, by trying to talk cool. Um, and, and it's not working. He starts messing up words like Stugatz, things like that. Um, but they, they notice that there's something dark in his demeanor and he's using bad grammar. He smells of heaters. Um, they, they mentioned that, that he, that he reeks of heaters. He essentially just turns into Stugatz, but, um, he tells them that I am no longer a fancy lad. I am now an American badass. <laughs> But they, they continue in a celebratory song about freedom, um, celebrating probably the, the DraftKings deal. But it, but as as the song ends, as it, or as it hits its climax, the power goes out, and you hear a scream. When the lights are restored, a random person is missing. Ooh, I like where this is heading. Yeah. Act four. I don't have a title for this act. It's been a few <laughs> weeks in the shipping container. This is, of course, like a 10-minute radio drama that we're working on here. Nothing super elaborate. Um, no, I think this is a two-and-a-half-hour stage production, but <laughs> Easily. continue. Easily. So it's been a few weeks, and the shipping container is really weirded out by Chris's new persona, and he's been ruining live reads with terrible grammar and his reading habits. You know, like I said, 
said earlier, he's basically Stu. The, uh, the team sings him a song uh, to try and bring the fancy lad back. They want to encourage, you know, the dark side to go away and him to choose the light again, to bring back our old fancy guy, our old fancy lad. And eventually it works. He sings a few lines about the return to the fancy. Everybody sings a reprise of the intro or reprise. I'm not sure how you pronounce it of the intro, except with words about the fancy lad's return. And everyone celebrates the end. But as they're exiting the stage or whatever, you hear a news report about a series of missing persons cases originating from Miller's Alehouse. The end. <laughs> Bringing back in the serial killer uh, mantra from the Mystery Crate episode. Is he or isn't he? So yeah, there we go. What do you think? What do you think, executive producer Jessica? I think we need to... Um... We need some type of, of turning point between the first half and the second half. Like at intermission, we need him to actually murder someone. <laughs> I think the first act, I think the first half should be he, you know, he has this conflict where he's the fancy lad and people are making fun of him. And then he decides to change who he is. And then he realizes he can't do it anymore. And then right before intermission, he turns back into the fancy lad and then he kills someone. And then he fully becomes himself, which is the murderous fancy lad. And then the second half... Oh, so the fancy lad is the murderer persona. I think the fancy lad is the murderer. And then the second half of the play, um, we find out or we suspect, and then maybe we capture him and, and maybe interrogate him or maybe he gets away with it i don't know how it how it should end but i think like the the fancy lad character has to um commit the murders because that's that's truly what i believe is happening behind closed doors andrew you could take the fancy lad jingle and turn it minor it would be really creepy with that whistle that would be really creepy that's actually a good idea for the show <laughs> i was gonna do that and make it and make it that roy is a grumpy boy but like <laughs> I don't know how that would go over with him. I really can't. He's the only, he's literally the only person involved in the show that I have, have no read on whatsoever. Yeah. There's only been like two or three references to him, but not an entire song um, that we've been able to pull off. I wish I could help you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing on Roy. <laughs> and he likes it that way. I think Andrew, what notes do you have about the, the potential show? Here's the thing. I worry about making just killing the fancy lad as the progenitor of the fancy lad song and jingle and joke i worry about uh oversaturation and i don't want it like it'll always be a bit it's part of show lore and i i love that but i made a music video and now i don't want to just keep being like the you know just drill that into the ground one trick pony yeah yeah yeah. But you've already got the suey for several other things, you know. I know. I'm I It is true. Like what is the next big thing for you? Cuz you've already done the jingle, you did the music video, like this is kind of the natural progression, right? Like you go bigger, go longer. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> um Jessica, I think that's all for tonight. We really appreciate your time. Um, tell the kids where they can find you on the onlines. Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Jessica underscore Smetana. But thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking about musicals. This is this conversation would never happen on the Dan Levitard show. There are too many terrible music opinions in that room. <laughs> Oh, gosh. I mean, so they have some taste. I mean, they play our songs, right? I mean, that's true. But, but I, I understand it can only go so far. Um, but uh, no, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for uh, listening to the show. As always, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Yes, Maybe No Pod. You can find me on Twitter at Yeti Blanc underscore. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew Streeter underscore. Um, stay tuned next week for another great episode. And until next time, our musical is the, the best. best. Yes, maybe no. Our musical's the best. Yes, maybe no. I don't know. It's a matter of, you know, personal preference. Listen to Yes, Maybe No. Subscribe, download, rate, review, or find podcasts or sold. Or, uh, download it. Andrew is... I mean, that, I, I don't think, like, owning a thing makes me, like, a that person, right? <laughs> Just by, Like, I own a fridge. I would never, like, be like, I'm a fridge person. Well, everyone owns one of those. You don't know. I mean, refrigerator guy. Jeez, that guy. <laughs> I mean, toilet man over here. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. <laughs>